listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. This is Straight Outta Vegas. Straight Outta Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. And now... Here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. on a special schedule release Wednesday. We're live on 225 FSR stations, live on a Wednesday, live here from Vegas. I mean, this is like, there was a movie years ago. It was called um, Jackpot Nevada was the name of it. And it was about this professional karaoke singer. But when you say professional, he was making just enough to maybe buy the motel that night. And... He had a manager, imagine that. And the manager said, you know something, we're going to make it. We're going to be making Christmas albums in July. It's kind of like that here. It's May, but we're going to be doing NFL in May with the schedule. And we've got week one already. And we'll talk about what we should be looking for for the rest of the weeks as they're released here a couple hours from now. I'm the pro in L.A. He's the Joe, Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, as we await the official release of the full schedule in the NFL later on tonight, plus a couple of losses for the Lakers as they tip off later as well. What is the Vegas lead here on this Wednesday? We always make a little fun of the rundown shows, right? So in Vegas, the Vegas type shows, they often will just run the schedule. And I always joke, uh, Townsend State up next against Utah state yeah don't love it but when it's the nfl when it's week one and we have all the lines jonas i think what we do is literally just go game by game we'll give the current number which has been out for a little while and we'll talk about any observations Yeah, and it was week one that was released earlier today, and we do know the opening matchup, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defending their Super Bowl championship, raising the banner there at Raymond James, and they will be playing host to the Dallas Cowboys, and right now on pregame.com, Tampa is a six-point favorite. Okay, first question we ask ourselves, what records is this game going to break, betting-wise, TV ratings-wise? Because there's two games, Jonas, in my opinion, that were the real big two for the Tampa Bay Bucks. One is Dallas, and two being New England, at New England. Uh, it feels perfect here, right? Is you got Jerry Jones effectively going to be the pitch man leading up to the kickoff. I mean, is it me, or is this going to be the most anticipated 
opening game since they've done the Thursdays. I actually was thinking about this before uh, we knew what the uh, first game of the season was going to be. And there was, I was looking around at just some other possibilities. You know, Buffalo was on the schedule. Could they set up a Josh Allen, a Tom Brady matchup? I saw the Saints were on the schedule first game without Drew Brees. And I just love the fact that the NFL looked at this and said, no, we're just, we're going to step on the gas here to open up the season. We're going to give you the Cowboys and that fan base and that buzz. And we're going to get you that on opening night at Tampa Bay in front of a packed house. I think it's going to be awesome. Now, I'm excited. And, and, and you know, the NFL, uh, I don't know if it's political. I don't know what. But, you know, there seems to be a contingent in the sports media that is kind of poo-poos the NFL. Maybe it's just being contrarian, right? It's king, so poo-poo. But you got to give them credit. It's almost like UFC. And UFC always said, okay, we're going to make whatever fight is the best fight. And uh, it's not going to be like seven years waiting for Pacquiao, Mayweather. We're going to make it happen. Well, same thing here. Like if if the schedule were random and it felt like in the past it kind of was, right, where 20 years ago, 10 years ago, they weren't as thoughtful about this is a TV show. And effectively, the NFL is the most successful television show on earth. And they treat it accordingly. And I think to be give them credit. Without hurting the game. Yeah. There's no set Because you could imagine a situation where you had teams play like extra tough, like interleague play, right? You want the Yankees and Mets to always play. That makes sense in baseball. But what happens if it's unfair because both teams are really good? Now they're, they're having to suffer for that. It feels like the NFL says we're going to do the schedule when it comes to who you play fairly. And then we're going to adjust it and engineer it in a way that is the most entertaining. And to me, they balance that very well. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I think it's smart as well, too, because they've identified that. And for what they did also this year, and it didn't get talked about a lot, is they made the decision, and there was a report that came out in Sports Business Journal, that the NFL was going to move their schedule release to May moving forward. And they did it last year because of COVID. And I think they realized – Look, we've got April in the bag because of the draft. You know, March, we've got the combine and free agency and all that. February is post-NFL. you got the Super Bowl. What do we have in May? And if you can <laughs> drop the schedule release, you can literally hijack a two-week stretch in May because this will be talked about. The Cowboys-Bucks game will be previewed for months and months and months because of it. And it's not like they're taking just a bad football team uh, and just throwing it in there because it's got a fan base. There is a storyline to Dallas. Dak Prescott coming off the injury, year two for Mike McCarthy. Uh, they feel like they've improved on defense, and they've still got those weapons on offense. So I, I think it works, and, and I think that's why there's going to be a lot of hype and a lot of buzz surrounding it. No doubt. And remember, sports betting has been breaking records across the country, not only legal. You might say, well, of course, New Jersey had zero sports betting a couple years ago. Now they have it. I'm saying not only in those states, it's beaten records in Nevada, uh, I mean, just recently, the March Madness, if I remember right, McKenzie, pregame.com research, uh, that March, the most recent March was what, the third biggest month in the history of Nevada? Am I remembering that right? I thought it was the first. Let me pull that up real quick. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think, well, we'll see, but it was certainly one of the top. And you think about it, Nevada hasn't done a great job with legalization, meaning we've been legal. 
they look at the New Jersey's and other states as interlopers, as like who's these newbies? But the, <laughs> but the newbies got ambition, right? They got and they they're on the stock market. A lot of them, DraftKings, FanDuel, and they got billions of dollars of valuation, and that's they're willing to lose some money. They're willing to you know remember the old AOL discs, right? All those discs back in the late nineties. Why? Because right. they wanted to capture that audience, even if it was at a loss initially. Well, the same thing with sports batting. If you're in a state that it's newly legal, the ambitions and the offers of these books are through the roof, player-friendly like crazy, and you can take advantage for sure. Uh, Did you get that, McKenzie? Yeah, so it was the biggest March in Nevada history in terms of handle. Third biggest month ever. All three of those months have happened in the last six. All right. So the three biggest months in history for Nevada has been in the last six months. Yes, October, January, and March. And, you know, Jonas, that brings up another point. I'm R.J. Bo, we're straight out of Vegas. The pandemic, though obviously a lot of negatives, a lot of you know health and, and more, but it probably helped sports betting where it incentivized people to get their mobile accounts. Because some people just were inclined to have a mobile account, and they had it. But other people were late adopters, right? They were laggers. And when it was hard to go to the brick and mortar spots, once sports started back up, you had to, you know, if you wanted to play, you pretty much had to get the app. And by getting the apps at these with these sports books, it now becomes part of the habit. And now it's Tuesday night, and live bet Jesus is in game betting. <laughs> and let me tell you something, that's good for the sports books. I can see why they have a billion dollar valuation. Look, <laughs> yeah, I, I've uh, I've probably told this story on the air before, but the only reason I opened up an email account was to open up an online gambling account back in the day. That was my first ever email address was because I needed one just to open up an online gambling account. Are you bringing the AOL story background? (laughs) No, but but I just to see where it's gone from those days to where you couldn't find it anywhere and everything was offshore and if you called in with a question about your account, uh, it was always somebody that was in a foreign country who didn't speak really good English and just to see how it's taken, gone from that to in the pandemic, in the last six months, the three biggest months in the history of Vegas have all taken place in the last six. I think it's amazing. And Vegas, to be honest, has really not risen to the challenge of these other states, New Jersey specifically. Meaning, if you were a player in Vegas or a player in Jersey... There's more outs in Vegas now, but I would say, I would say certainly when it comes to the the breadth of offerings, how how wide the offerings are, when it comes to how player friendly it is, New Jersey's way ahead. And you know what? I don't like that, but it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna Vegas will be forced to catch up. Yeah. And I think it's a generational thing where you've got a lot of sportsbook directors. And this is something that you really only know if you're on the inside here in Vegas, but it's fascinating. So, but before 1976, I think it was, the the laws with taxes were onerous for sports books to the point that there were hardly any sports books that really mattered. And the ones that did matter had oftentimes a deal because they were getting taxed like 1% on every bet. And it would just made it impossible to book and make any money. So what they would do is they would book the people who they were friends with or they knew around, you know, they were regulars and they would put a 10x or a 20x. So let's say they wanted to bet $200. They'd bet $10. 
and put a little mark on the ticket that said 20x, or at least it meant 20x. And then it meant it was a $200 bet, but it got booked as a $10 bet, so they only taxed it as 10. So, you know, I've read a good bit about this, but it really limited things, right? You had to be friend, you had to know the people. And wow. if so, but in 76 or so, they changed the laws and it went down to like a quarter of 1% and the taxes became more doable. At that point, and this is in the movie Casino, is pretty much when in the movie Ace Rothstein, but it was um, <laughs> it was uh, Lefty Rosenthal was his actual name, and that was who De Niro played in Casino, and it was a real character, and uh, in, in a lot of casinos, right on the money. I mean, like a lot of it is the movie, and he opened up at the Stardust, the first place that had a sports book, a casino in premise. Before they were all like little, like a Seven Eleven off to the side of the road was these sports books. So from there, all of these casinos got a book in the next couple of years. And you know what happened? Where I grew up, around Steubenville, Ohio, right? Right around Youngstown, Cleveland. Well, not Cleveland's a couple hours. There's a circle you can draw from Pittsburgh, which I was closest to, to Cleveland, Youngstown, right around there. Is that about 70% of the pit bosses here in Vegas when I was maybe uh, maybe in 2000, right about when I moved out, were from that circle. Because they oh, used wow. to have all the illegal <laughs> joints back there. And when they started having the sports books open up, they brought the bookies effectively, not brought, but the bookies migrated out to here. So almost every sports book director is now between the ages that they would have been between 22 and 30 in 1979 because that's when they came out. They worked their way up, and they're all almost from that generation. And what you're going to see here in a couple years, years go by, they're going to retire. Young guys are going to step up and they're going to be more ready to be ambitious. And, you you know, you can blame the old timers, but they've never had this competition. Yeah. So in a way, I think Vegas, I think gambling has proven that it has a huge appetite sports betting wise. And I also think that Vegas, though they haven't stepped up, will step up. But. A lot of people thought, oh, Vegas is going to suffer now that New Jersey. No, no, no. What happens is people get a taste for it, but they wherever they're at, but they always want to come to Vegas once or twice a year to experience it. And I think imagine if you were uh, legalization in California, which should be coming soon. Next year or two, I think, is what I hear is you would bet there. Right. But you'd also love coming to Vegas for March Madness or various things. Right. Yeah, no, and, and there's something to walking up to a sports book, uh, you know, with you know a couple a couple hundred drinks in you, and you just lay down a ridiculous bet on something, and then you sit there with a buddy and you watch, and it's and for what like I, I've told my wife about it, you know, because my buddies and I used to do it back in the day, and she just doesn't get the appeal, and I said I, I don't know what it is, it's just you got something on the line, it doesn't have to be a lot, but there's a rush, there's an energy in Vegas that yeah, there's other places that are putting together this, you know, these. these these sports books and these online gambling sites and all that, nobody can match the energy there. And I think the energy there is infectious, and I still think it's going to be appealing to a lot of people. But it is funny to see that the that Vegas will learn to adapt and maybe take some ideas and approaches from these other places and just make their experience that much better. Yeah, and we've talked about this before. That's Jonas Knox. We're straight out of Vegas. Is Sports betting has been an amenity, is what they call it. Uh, whereas it's like a bathroom. It's like having a coffee shop. They don't expect to make money from it. They just don't want the player going across the street to do it. And uh, it'd be like, you know, if we didn't have a restroom, we could save some money. But it's like, <laughs> imagine all the, the blackjack hands that's going to get played on, you know, walking over there. And 
now that it's legal and now that there's the online ability, you know, the mobile stuff, the question is going to be, what is the skill set that allows you to, to excel in the business side of sports betting in 2021 and beyond? It's not bookmaking. Bookmaking is almost, I mean, bookmaking can swing your win a couple percentage points, but that's kind of in the margin. The key is, can you offer the technological solution of a great app? Can you have UX that makes it player friendly? Do you market in a way that acquires players? I mean, DraftKings, FanDuel, I mean, they're spending how much? Is it a billion? They're spending massive money. I don't know if the MGMs of the world or the big players in Vegas have that ambition. So I'm not even sure the legacy players will be the ultimate Vegas winners. What we're going to get is FanDuel and DraftKings coming out here soon enough. And Nevada has been a little protectionist, I think it's fair to say. I mean, where DraftKings hasn't, and those the big those two big boys haven't really pushed it, as far as I understand. But they soon enough they're going to be here. And what I predict, and this is something I believe that everyone doesn't agree with, that in five years, when we say who's the biggest sports books, there's going to be at least one, if not two, that we don't even know the name right now. Meaning they're not even in the game. Oh wow. And I think the reason is, think about it. What is going to be the interface that matters when it comes to sports betting? It's going to be in-game betting, and it's going to be wherever, whatever platform you use to watch. So if it's, let's say YouTube TV, right? A lot of people are using that. A lot of people are using Hulu now. Okay, so imagine you're watching – now look at Amazon, right, with the Thursday night deal. So imagine that you're watching the game on Amazon, and lo and behold, up in the corner you see the odds. And instead of on your app, instead of disconnected with the timing off, it's literally synced up timing-wise, and you can bet in-game on Amazon. Well, isn't that going to be – like, how does a DraftKings compete with that? They can only buy space, and maybe that works too, but you can't tell what's going to happen is – and we saw this, and I don't know all the dynamics of it, but you look at like a Fox Bets. Is Fox a – you know, a – gigantic media brand is saying, hey, we want to be associated if it's licensing or however the dynamics of the deal are, Fox is going to be, you know, makes a big chunk of the money, is my understanding, or I guess it's just reasonable. I don't have any insight into it, but it's branded under Fox, and if and when, or when I think is the better way to say it, that the in-game is something introduced on the Fox network, who do you think is going to be the book that's going to be doing it? Oh, right? right. So exactly. now the question be, I, mean, I would expect it to be Fox bets. Yeah. And now the question becomes, well, does Apple get involved? Does um, Amazon, as we said, does Google? I mean, to me, those are the players right there. YouTube slash Google and Apple and Amazon. They're all going to be, they're all involved in TV. They're all involved in this viewing experience. Sports is the one thing that matters live at this point. And then if you can make more money through the betting, and and maybe a Google buys a DraftKings. You just never know. But I believe that the biggest of the big boys are going to be coming in in the next five years. How does that, as someone who observes sports and sports betting, does that resonate with you? Yeah, 100%. And it just makes all the sense in the world. If you can give, and I also wonder how stadiums are going to react to this. Because if you're going to present a product that is so interactive that you can make money or bet on games live while they're happening, and, and it can be 
made even easier than it is now, then what's the incentive for some people to want to go to games? Yeah, they may want the in-game experience, but I think there's we're going to get to a point to where, I mean, what do we got? Tablets on the back of seats to where people can live bet while they're at games? I mean, it, like, what, what is this going to turn into? I just think the possibilities are endless for the whole thing. And I think it speaks to the whole idea of why go, why go to a game at all, meaning that the HD viewing experience, the size of the TVs yeah. is so much better than it used to be. And I think what the smart setups or the smart stadiums are doing is they're making it where it, it, there are those amenities there. There, there are the less fans, better seats. And, and I don't have all of the uh, specifics because I've looked at it, but I haven't done a ton with it. But the Washington, one of the Washington owners, I think his last name is L I O N A S or something, um, and and I think it's with the Wizards and one other team in Washington. They've invested heavily in technology companies that involve in-game betting at the stadium itself. But it wasn't cash betting. It was kind of gamified, where you got a thousand points, you got to play as much as you want, and oh. whoever had the most points won something, and I, you know, I don't know how much of that is a precursor to real cash batting, but I think the more visionary owners are already considering how can the gambling integrate with the uh, physical stadium or arena experience. And, I mean, the famous story is the close here is Wembley Stadium. You know, they got bookmakers right across the street when they had the games, you know, the NFL when Jacksonville and such is in London. Yeah, no, and that's uh, and and to see them being so far ahead of the curve to where people can just go and get action right before the game, uh, like they're going to an ATM. I, I just I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a really exciting time over the next. Couple Is this of an ATM that takes your money though? Okay. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Let's take the last, or let's take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to continue with week one. We got Steelers and Bills. What's the line? And literally the rest of the big games, 49ers, Lions. Oh, everyone's interested in that one, Jonas. Broncos, Giants. And, you know, I got to tell you something. We'll do this next segment, too. Jonas had a brilliant point about something with the Broncos and the chance of getting Aaron Rodgers. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, we are awaiting the official release of every game in the NFL this upcoming season. That'll take place in about 90 minutes from now. But we do know week one's games, and we talked about the Cowboys and Bucks to open up the season. Another big one in Buffalo to open up the season on Sunday on September 12th is the Steelers at the Bills. We're right now on pregame.com. Buffalo is a six-point favorite. Okay, now let's get a gauge of what home field advantage is in the NFL coming into 2021 season. Okay, typically, historically, home field is three. I can't count the times I've said home field is three, so if the home team is even, three-point favor. Okay, that's changed last year. Why? COVID. Fans weren't there. Fans are a portion of the home field. Not the whole thing, but a portion. Last year... Uh, home field was between one and a half and one point. And, uh, you know, different things would dictate that. But it was about half or even less than it typically has been. But before last season, there was a downward push with home field in general. It was as if, uh, the and, and again, almost in all situations, if you look over the course of hundreds of games, in all leagues, road teams have less of a disadvantage now than they used to. Teams are more professional you know, even in colleges, you got like the Dukes in North Carolina, they can handle the screaming fans at other places better. And maybe most importantly, the travel is less difficult. 
You're not on trains. You're not having connector flights. Obviously, we got massive private planes. And because of that and the other amenities, to use the word again, that go around being a professional NFL team, it's easier to travel than it's ever been. And thus, even before the COVID, there was a downward drift of home field advantage. I think it's fair to say about two points will be the assumption this year. And we'll see as the number of fans and all that gets determined. But my guess is going to be two points. And thus, if you look at Buffalo favored by six, it's saying Buffalo is four points better than the Steelers. That's a big number. Yeah. I mean, it's telling us, Jonas, that uh, Pittsburgh may be, may be a point better than an average NFL team, not much better. And, and that, to me, I think might surprise some, but the Bills are clearly better. Does that feel right to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if this is all about how the season ended as opposed to the season in, entirely for the Steelers. Because, I mean, they, what, they were 11 or 12-0 and 0 at one point last 11 year. 11-0, yep, yep. I mean, like, they, they were, you know, the one seed for, for quite a while in the AFC. They were, they were you know, I mean, winning games. I, I, I just... If they fix their run game and if they can yeah. protect Ben Ben Roethlisberger, I still think this this is a good football team. They're gonna, they had players that were injured. They're going to be able to get a little healthier. So it feels like a lot. I don't know if this is more uh, an indictment on what they think of Pittsburgh or maybe overvaluing Buffalo based on last year. Well, here's the thing about Buffalo, and this is something we're going to talk about, is if you flipped last season and his second season with Josh Allen, what would we be thinking right now? Meaning, because we, we know that the most recent season matters the most, but we also know that you can't just act like one season is the only thing that matters, right? So when, um, oh, I'm having a mental block. The quarterback who had that great year with the Vikings. Uh, and then he Case was a, Keenum. Case yeah, Keenum. Ke- I always yeah. forget his name. Case Keenum had like the second or third best QBR that year. Now, I would make the case probably Case Keenum had a better – in fact, (laughs) McKenzie, look it up. Case Keenum that year versus Josh Allen last year, QBR. And my guess is Case Keenum was a little bit better. But let's say it's close. Imagine now that Case Keenum didn't even have a starting job the next year. But Josh Allen, because he was a high pick, because he's got the tools, the height, you know, all that. But the fact is – his year two years ago was not good at all. I mean, I would make the case that Daniel Jones entering this season has about the same amount of optimism, which is modest, as Josh Allen had. And it really was a shocker that Josh Allen did so well. Now, the question is, was this a jump in accuracy and other things that we've never seen before? Because it probably wasn't a way one of a kind. And is that going to continue? If so, Josh Allen could be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for a decade to come. Or was last year the aberration... And the year before was just as true, and thus he's an average of the two, and he's not even a top 10 quarterback. I know it seems absurd to say that because Josh Allen was so good, but it really is just one year. And McKenzie, how did that year stack up? Case Keenum was the second in the league, Josh Allen, back in 2017. Josh Allen was only third in the league last year. Going by rankings, Case Keenum did a little bit better. And how about by QBR? If you go by the QBR, not, bra, not the rankings, uh, yeah. Case Keenum was 73. Josh Allen was better, 81. Okay. So um, so you got a guy that Josh Allen was the third best quarterback last year. Awesome. If, he, yeah. if he's anywhere in that ballpark, Bills are going to be really good. 
It's just we got one year. We got one year. And I do think there's probably more questions about the Bills than people think. But they have a great coaching staff. They have a great front office. The, the process is right. And you mentioned Pittsburgh and the run game. I mean, the thing you got to ask yourself is, does a run, and this is what the analytics crowd really argues about, is does a run game, is it driven by the running back or is it driven by the offensive line? If it's the running back, the Steelers made a first-round pick. Yeah. A lot of people like that running back. But if it's the line, the Steelers have lost a number of offensive linemen. Pouncey, center, an example. Left tackle also. And the only good lineman they have is DeCastro. I'm not optimistic if it's going to be based upon the offensive line. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And now we move to Nashville, where the Tennessee Titans will host Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. And Tennessee is a two-point favorite. These are even teams. What it's saying, home team favored by two. To me, that's showing a little optimism for the Cardinals. But remember now, this Tennessee team lost a lot on defense. And you could make the case lost a lot across the field. I would say amongst the wise guys... The Titans has more pessimism. They're in the top five or so teams with the most kind of, hey, downturn potential for the Titans. Uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers will open up at Washington right now on pregame.com. That game is a pick Ooh, so that's saying that the Chargers are slightly better. Remember, we have Washington to win the division at plus 350 is when we put that baby out. And uh, I love that bet right now. Washington, I thought, had a great offseason. And I think the Chargers had a great draft. The left tackle was especially a good pick. There's a new regime in Atlanta for the Falcons, and they are three-and-a-half-point favorites hosting Jalen Hurts and the Eagles week one. Now, this is showing a lack of respect to the Falcons. This is a very pessimistic line. I would have guessed five on this line. And to me, we know the Eagles are rebuilding, and Hurts is a big question mark. To me, what this tells me is the financial cap situation with Atlanta is a major concern. We hear about Julio Jones. He's not getting traded on a whim. It's because they don't have – my understanding is cap-wise, they got to get rid of him. And if so, it seems paradoxical. Matt Ryan on one hand, you're signing him and, and or restructuring the deal in a way that extends him two years where he really can't be cut in the next two years. But on the other hand, you got to do something with your best receiver. It strikes me, Jonas, that they're keeping Ryan not so much – for a push to win, but rather to keep the fans kind of contented as they transition into the next set of, of key players. Yeah, it seems like that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, by the way, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, your guy Carson Wentz, uh, the Carson Wentz era in Indianapolis begins as the Colts are two and a half point favorites hosting the Seattle Seahawks on pregame.com. Ton of optimism here for the Colts. It's saying the Colts are a better team than Seattle. With Carson Wentz, I don't think so. Mike Zimmer and his success against the spread that we've talked about here on Straight Out of Vegas. He and the Vikings are in Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Minnesota, a three-point favorite. So this is show. Obviously, the Bengals aren't considered a uh, good team or even an average team. Trending up. Obviously, questions about Burrow and his health with his knee. Vikings, though, showing some respect here, I think. And, um, uh, you know, last year it was like they were on the cusp, on the cusp of kind of breaking through. They didn't. But Zimmer, as you said, the best coach against the spread during his time in the league 
even better than Belichick. The 49ers are seven and a half point favorites on the road at the Lions in week one. The Lions are biting knees, but no. Um, (laughs) I got to be honest with you. I think the Lions, there's cause for optimism in that they have a culture. I just don't think it's this year you're going to see it. You know, they're building the foundations, but I think unequivocally by taking golf, they're saying we're going to give it a try. But if the be- one of the best coaches in the league says we'll give you a first round pick to take your quarterback, the quarterback isn't that good. It's a playoff rematch this season to open up the year, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs, a five-and-a-half-point favorite, hosting the Cleveland Browns. Now, this is a little high. The Browns have had a great offseason. The analytics people are just going gaga and goo-goo over the Browns' decisions. They, they act like they don't make a bad move, which, again, that's great. The process is right. But this line is still five-and-a-half. We talked about Buffalo and Pittsburgh. That line was six. So we're saying the distance between Kansas City and Cleveland is the same pretty much as Buffalo and Pittsburgh. That seems to be showing either a lot of respect to KC or a lack of respect to the Browns. I know it's not a lack of respect to the Browns, so this is a lot of KC love. They like that they shored up the O-line. To the AFC East we go. Patriots, one-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Dolphins. Now, this is great. So this is literally – and it's minus 115, which says, ah, it's almost minus two. So this is even teams. So we got the Dolphins, who were ascending, got the Patriots, who dropped last year, and now the Patriots spend all the money. They get the quarterback. I don't think that Mac Jones is going to start this game if I had to be shocked. I don't think he starts much of the season, if at all. All that said, I'm optimistic about the Patriots. Belichick is on a mission, and we know what, that, what happens then. It's usually soon enough a Super Bowl. The Denver Broncos are one-point favorites at the Giants. And you had a really interesting thought about this, John. Share it with us. Yeah, uh, Mike Kliss of uh, Nine News in Denver, who's been covering the Broncos for a long time, he's reporting that the Broncos aren't going to have a Monday night football game this year, and it's the first time in 29 years that they haven't had a Monday night game. And that just makes me wonder if maybe the NFL isn't too optimistic that there's an Aaron Rodgers trade going down. Otherwise, you'd absolutely want to have Rodgers in prime time as many times as possible. Did you get any sense of Green Bay's number of prime Primetime games? Uh, I have not gotten that. Yeah, I think that that will be out. that will be telling also. Yeah, I think. agreed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, also, uh, in in this game, so Denver is a one point favorite at the Giants. Uh, the second year for the Joe Judge experience in in New York. Hey, Giants had a good offseason. This is another example, though, of where you really got to put two lines in this game. One line with Ryan, one line without, or, or with Rodgers, one without, and then s- split the difference. I, it seems to be about 50-50, though. I think it's going down. I'm not optimistic that Denver lands Rodgers. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are at the Saints. New Orleans, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. All right, so this is saying the Saints are slightly better than the Packers. This is building in the uncertainty of Rodgers. Sunday Night Football, Bears at Rams, L.A. a seven-point favorite. All right. You know, whatever the new quarterback does for the Bears, it probably isn't going to be real strong early in the year, and this line shows that Rams a big favorite. And speaking of Vegas, we finish up with the Ravens, four-and-a-half-point favorites at the Raiders to open up Monday night. I'll be here for sure. I'll tell you that real quick. The Lakers, (laughs) um, their odds have almost doubled where they were around plus 250. Now they're around four-and-a-half to one. So literally, there's a lot of – concern about the Lakers and their injuries. It's not just the regular season being affected. 